Arsenal were going to bottle the league, aren't they? Yeah, it wasn't a good result yesterday. You, you can tolerate going to and up at Anfield and not winning, because obviously Anfield is a difficult place to play, even when Liverpool aren't that good. But yesterday was, yeah, that was quite bad. But a win at Man City would sort things out. That's the title decider now, it feels, is it? It's not impossible. Assuming we beat Southampton on Saturday, which yeah, which hope, I'm hoping we do. Although if we go 2-0 up, there will be... We're better off just going 1-0 up and just leaving it like that, maybe. 2-0. Yeah. Obviously, it's a famous, famously dangerous scoreline in football, isn't it? Absolutely. The cliche <laughs> is true when it comes to Arsenal. <laughs> Definitely at the minute. So, um, Ask yeah. me how Torquay are getting on. How are Torquay getting on? Well, they're getting on quite well, aren't they, recently? Five wins in a row to uh, put us within touching distance of staying up. So it's quite interesting. So we've actually got a game in hand tomorrow night, Tuesday night, at Chesterfield, which I'll be at, given it's only half an oh, hour yeah. or so from my house. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely bonkers. And then we've got Ultranum away on... Saturday, which I'll also be at because it's only an hour or so away. Nice. Of course, they beat York at the they beat York at the weekend, didn't they? They beat York at the weekend, five in a row, fifteen from fifteen. So can't. I mean, we were we were relegated a few weeks ago. I'd come to terms with the fact that we were going to have a <laughs> second season in step two or the sixth sixth tier as it is. Uh, but yeah, we're we've the, everything now just feels like a bonus because it's just mm. like. Like I said, we we were down, and now it looks like we could potentially do it. It's I think it, it's Maidenhead who are two points above us, and it's them we've got to reel in. They're in horrific form. They've, yeah, all the shots two points above. Since, uh, I think they've won one game since January, and that was against Maidstone, who were basically relegated by Christmas. So, mm. uh, but so yeah, we've got, got to play Wrexham though on twenty nine. Yeah, we've got Wrexham on the last day, which is obviously a big thing. So if we've got a chance to stay up, I think I'll probably try and get a ticket. And there's still a few tickets going, but. It's it's in our hands. We win our last three games. We stay up. So, but obviously, like you say, one of those games is against history-making Wrexham. The bottom three are completely gone: Yeovil, Scunthorpe, and Maidstone. Yeah, I think Yeovil can mathematically still do it, but they'd need to win all three games and overturn some horrendous goal difference. But Scunthorpe and Maidstone are long gone. Yeah, Scunthorpe were in the Championship ten years ago. It's absolutely crazy. Now, the Conference South would it be or Conference North? Conference North, they'll be, yeah. Your geography is... Uh, yeah. We, we find mm. out constantly on this podcast that your geography is terrible. Before we start, we didn't have a win for Callaway this week. That sort of seems really strange. And it's certainly not negative at all. It's actually the fact that we're even asking that question is the fact that Callaway has just been so dominant. But it's not just Callaway drivers doing well. Odyssey, the Stroke Lab putters versa, is the number one putter on tour for our friends of the pod, as we call them. Matt, what's your what's the worst thing about your putting, would you say? I think I do sh- I do get very nervous over short putts. There is no range where I feel truly confident from. I do really feel like I struggle with that with that length, and then that obviously leads to th- leads to three putts and pub snaps and things like that. So I think it sounds to me like you need a putter with a better alignment 
Do you see where I'm going with this? He's got a big grin across his face. No, you can't I think... see that, dear listener, but he's got a big grin across his face. You've lost me. I think explain more. <laughs> We're so good at this. We should be salesmen. <laughs> so the new Odyssey Versa range has this black and white high contrast alignment system. If you haven't seen the pictures, just Google it because they look fantastic. And their aim I'm told by our equipment experts, is to keep a proper face angle throughout the stroke. That just sounds like something you need, Matt. So maybe Odyssey is the way forward for you and your putter. Right, let's talk about some golf that went on over in America this weekend. So it was RBC Heritage Week, an elevated event the week after the Masters. How did you feel about that? If you think about it, if there was no elevated event this this week, I don't think any golf fans would be that bothered. You know, we, we just had the Masters. Um, so everyone's buzzing off the Masters or what, what happens at the Masters with John Rahm or, or, if, or if whoever wins. You're always excited about who wins the Masters. So I think the PGA Tour and like, the schedule would have been forgiven if there was a bit of a week off this week. To be fair to the players, bar one, they all went down to Hilton Head and put on a, a, a brilliant show. But it is quite surprising that they would hold this a week after the Masters. They they could have maybe have moved the Zurich Classic forward a week and put this in between the Zurich Classic and what I think is a Mexican Open after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I suppose I it went down quite well. Yeah, it did. And Hilton Head is a good golf course. I, I, I see why they did it. I can see you can you can almost see the thought process behind it, can't you? Because they're thinking, mm. well, Hilton Head's only what, what is it? It's like an hour and a half, two hours maybe down the road from from Augusta. So you can sort of see why it is. And all the players are obviously going, yeah, that's absolutely fine. But then the reality is a bit like last week when we were recording this and I was it was like. 4.30 in the morning or whatever stupid time I was getting up to record a podcast with you because I was like yeah we'll just record it on Monday morning it'll be absolutely <laughs> fine and I got <laughs> back that. from work in the ridiculously long day at Augusta had about three hours sleep slightly hung over got to drive two and a half hours to Atlanta and I'm trying to squeeze in a podcast so it sort of feels a bit like that but we all do that don't we where we make mm. these decisions where we go yeah oh yeah it's miles away don't worry about it it'll be absolutely fine and then you get to that week and that actually proved with Rory McIlroy now He's obviously been hit with a lot. I mean, first of all, if you've been living under a rock, Rory McIlroy pulled out of the RPC Heritage. It was his second elevated event that he missed this season. Now, the PGA Tour rules state that you can only skip one of them. He's already skipped one in Hawaii. Mm. So this is now two. So he's going to get hit with a... It's not a fine, is it? But he's he's not going to... There's, mm-hmm. there's $3 million worth of PIP money, which is now not going to be coming his way because they get... Is it something <coughs> like 75% gets paid to them and then the rest yeah, of them raise up once they've actually fulfilled their commitments the following season? So he's... I mean, it sounds stupid, doesn't it? Because $3 million to Rory McIlroy is like a fiver to you and me. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really like... But it's, it's ludicrous that, that he can just go, yeah, I'll just skip out on three million. That's absolutely fine. He he has received criticism, but I do want to say we don't know the reasons he's pulled out. It's easy to mm. say that he's sulking because he went to Augusta and he missed the cut by a million shots and played really badly. But we don't necessarily know what's going on, do we? No, we don't. That 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 would be the thing in, in his defence. You don't know what's going on. I don't know until we know until we know that. I think. It, he 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 should probably rightfully shoulder some criticism. He did miss the cut of the Masters after another week of massive massive pressure piled onto him by the media, by golf fans, and by himself. 
but I think he should shoulder criticism for as long as we don't for as long as we don't know what what, what his situation is. He might have a family issue, which obviously would excuse him from playing in any golf competition. But it's not a, it's not a good look at all if he's just decided that he doesn't want to play, especially as this schedule. As, as he was instrumental in building this schedule, deciding that he doesn't want to play after a bad week at the Masters, technically missing the cut would give him even more time to go home and, and pre- mentally prepare for another tournament. Obviously, three million is nothing, nothing to him. He won't be bothered about that. Um, but I wonder, I sort of wonder where that three million goes. Um, if it's not going to him, who, who's that going to? Um, Are you suggesting they sort of feed it down to the next person? Well, maybe divvy it out. I don't know, but I don't really. Maybe divvy it out to to some of the redistribute it across non 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 elevated events maybe i think there's a easy pr win for the pga tour with that money which is just saying rory McIlroy will not be getting his three million so we're giving mm. it we're splitting it between these charities i mean it's amazing that he wins all these tournaments wins the tour championship wins dubai in in january having shouldered all these responsibilities with the dp world tour and the pga tour but if you look at john rahm and scotty scheffler They've won a couple of times each this season. They don't get. They're not involved in all in, in, in all these decision decision making meetings. As far as we know, they're not really involved in any sort of schedule um, changes or play a, as big a role as Woods and McElroy. I just think that they're having better seasons at the minute, and I just think I don't see why Rory should have to shoulder it all. He chooses to, obviously. And you could say that for all these players on the on the player advisory council, you could just say that to all of them, why should any of them do it? But imagine what he could win. Imagine what he could achieve if he if he wasn't um, taking up such responsibility. Like that that is for people like Tiger, surely, who who aren't playing as much, who have more time on their hands. He won he won four majors years ago, but and, and he wasn't embroiled in any sort of politics or decision making then. I think it's just. Yeah, but then, could you could you argue then that why why would Ty like surely the the best people in terms of players to be making these decisions and putting their viewpoints across are the players that are playing every week? Surely someone like Tiger, who's basically playing four or five times a year, telling the other guys when they should play, doesn't really sit right. Especially when Tiger has spent his entire career basically deciding, picking and choosing when he can play. And this player led approach has led to this schedule of designated events which which I'm a fan of you know um they need um they need the best players playing against each other more regularly if he's pulled out of RBC heritage it's obvious it must be because the masters took it took its toll it, it must be and for as long as we can assume that I just think this role that he's playing is applying so much pressure to himself off the course um, and I don't think you see the same stresses and same responsibility piled on people like Rahm and Scheffler and Fitzpatrick and Spieth. They're just going out there and playing their games. And, and Rory, I, I, I don't think is. I, th- I think he's. I think that's been evident for, for for the last few years. But for as long as we for as long as we don't know what his situ- personal situation is, he's clearly he's clearly pulled out the heritage because he he the miscut of the Masters has clearly taken a a, a mental toll and fatigued him obviously entirely hopeful that it is just a fatigue thing I mean he said at the players didn't he that he was Mm. starting to really feel it with the responsibilities as well as trying to win huge golf tournaments and obviously the start of the season I don't I don't think it's really worked in the sense that we're currently on the 17th of April and we've had the amount of 
ludicrously high profile events that we've already had yeah it sort of seems a bit it seems like it's all been squeezed in and i and i get that they're trying to have this shorter season where you sort of start at maybe the players and you end at the fedex cup where they're trying to squeeze it all in and, and you saw and it's yeah fair enough we say it about football as well don't we obviously look at say manchester united who are currently playing every other day at the moment because they're in five different competitions or whatever footballers they can't pick and choose when they play they have to play no. the fixtures that are put in front of them and that's and that's one thing Rory said isn't it? he said this is the only sport apart from you know a couple of others maybe tennis or whatever where you basically just you you just pick and choose when you play mm. now Rory might I sincerely hope that Rory does just come out I'm, when do we see him next is it quail in a couple of weeks so yeah we'll probably, I wouldn't it? sincerely hope that he does just come out and say look do you know what the masters up like I I was I said at the players that I was massively run down by it all. The Masters was kind of uh, the end of all that. It was just me crumbling at Augusta. And I just needed to go home and just reset for a bit. And going and playing another tournament just wasn't... I just didn't have it in me. And hopefully he will just say that. Uh, But you can guarantee that it will be the first question the next time Mm, he sits down in a press conference. Definitely. I... I think it just has to be something like that because I think that if there was anything going on, someone close to him would know. It, it would be, in this era, it would just it would be been leaked. leaked. Like someone would know, someone would leak it, and we would know the reason why Roy mm. McIlroy didn't play at the RBC Heritage. So that sort of perhaps leans towards. I, I, I really don't like the criticism. It sort of feels a bit like fair enough to say. Rory McIlroy should be here but I think they're also mm. I know we live in this world where everyone's quick to jump to conclusions but it's I not it's just, probably, it's just not a good look at no, all well, no, I, I, yeah, I also agree with that he should have come out and said why if you're withdrawing from a big tournament that you're obliged to play in you should give a reason of course you should mm. but I also don't like the bandwagon jumping and yeah and, and just slaughtering him for what is essentially just him missing a week off work it's not yeah. really in the as grand scheme just, of things yeah as I said just then with, with the schedule that we've had so far we've already had the century tournament of champions which is which was an elevated event that was 15 million we then had um phoenix in february which was another elevated event 20 million genesis 20 million arnold palmer 20 million players championship the week after that the del the mat the match play the masters the heritage so we've had all this um we've had all this and we're in the middle of april so lunacy isn't it perhaps perhaps this season this designated schedule season is a bit of a guinea pig maybe maybe the next few seasons they'll learn to maybe divide these events more evenly across the season because it has been a quite a tiresome schedule for all the for all these players, and especially European players who also need to fill out um, DP World Tour responsibilities to be eligible for the Ryder Cup. I think people like Hovland it's a shame and Rahman as well, really, isn't it? It's a, it's a shame that we're saying that the Heritage shouldn't be an elevated event or whatever. Because, well, if even if we are saying that, because the reality is, is it's a good golf course and it's really fun to watch golf on and it did turn out to be a brilliant brilliant mm. week we had Matt Fitzpatrick Matt Fitzpatrick can't say his name Matt Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth ending up in a playoff you had Cantley you had Schofley you had plenty of players in the mix you had a really it was a really good leaderboard it's not like all those guys who had gone deep at the Masters then just decided not to show up it is one of those regular PGA Tour events as it was 
before mm. this year that I always <clears> enjoyed watching because it's sort of very appealing, isn't it? And even when it even as it is like the week after the Masters, when generally even golf fans, the week after the like even if you're just watching golf as a fan, like watching a major can really take it out of you, can't you? Because you watch it wall oh. to wall from Thursday yeah. morning until, <laughs> until late Sunday night or whenever it finishes. So it can take it out of you. So sometimes even golf fans just want a week off after a major. Mm, uh, let's just talk certainly. about Spieth a minute because, for, I mean, first of all, he had two putts to win it in the playoff and perhaps should have done. There was that the, the first playoff hole where he had a few feet and it just, I mean, we've all seen the pictures and we've all seen the videos over and over again this morning. How does it not drop? I mean, there was a Incredible. wonderful... Wonderful tweet from the uh, stat doyen that is Justin Ray, which was that if he had won, I'm going to again pretend I'm not reading. So players since 1950 with 14 plus PGA Tour wins, including three majors, before turning 30 are Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, Tom Watson, and Rory McIlroy. Now, if Spieth does, Spieth wins another PGA Tour event before his 30th birthday, which is in July, the week after the Open, and he joins that rather spectacular mm. list of four players to have done that. Now that's, yeah. first of all, my first question is, is Jordan Spieth actually a little bit underrated? Yeah, he's building, I mean, obviously he didn't win last week, uh, last night rather, but he has got an incredible resume. I suppose maybe in the last few seasons, he, he spent a little bit of time in the doldrums, um, but he's back in the top 10 I believe for the first time since last US since last year's US Open, which I found quite surprising. But I think last night wasn't last night wasn't actually classic Spieth. He wasn't that erratic, to be fair. But apart from that drive that he dunked in the water and then still made still made a par from the fairway, that that was a bit of a Spieth moment. Um, but I thought he was very solid, apart from the putts that he didn't roll in. Um, in his prime, I feel like he would have ro- rolled in um, one of one of those without 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 hesitation. Um, but he clearly loves. Harbour Town as well, um, and he's he was unlucky. He sort of came a bit late from deep in the leaderboard to to win the Masters, didn't he? It wasn't wasn't enough. He really ran out of holes basically, I think, at Augusta. Um, but he, he's definitely trending. I think he's got an exciting year ahead. Um, it's always exciting when Spieth's in the mix. Um, always retains that 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 excitement element. I think. If you look at the majors this year, he's obviously won the Open. I think you should be definitely looking at Hoylake and thinking he, he, he could play well there. But he's just an incredibly exciting player. And I, th- I actually thought he, he... I think he was probably the slight favourite in the playoff last night with Fitzpatrick. I think he's sort of been there and done it more. I think his playoff record last night, it showed it. He'd won, it was, he'd won five and lost three, I think. When you think about it, he's been, to be in eight playoffs is pretty incredible. I'll just check yeah, it was, that. It was five and three before last night, five and four now. For me, there's a reason that it, it's it's funny because he is genuinely a global superstar, but it doesn't feel like he is. Like hmm. it feels like he's one of us. That's what I love about him. There's you know, there's a reason he's so popular because, like I said, he's a global superstar, but he's about as relatable to us mere mortals as it gets. You, know, mm. you watch him pleading with his golf ball or whether to use a five wood or a nine iron for a shot. I mean, we saw last night where uh, Sunday night where he was back and forth with Michael Greller about whether or not he was going to hit an eight or a nine. And, and, you know, he stood over his ball and then he sort of went, oh, no, I don't think that's going to reach. Give me the eight. And he went up to an eight and then he you know, st- stuck it to, well, pin high. 
So you sort of see that mental mm. torture that he puts himself through. We we grew up. I'm not going to compare him or compare his achievements to Tiger Woods, but if you take Tiger Woods out of the equation, Jordan Spieth is one of the most successful golfers of the last 20 years. And certainly, when we were watching Tiger Woods, it was the sense that we were watching something otherworldly, something that nobody else could like Tiger Woods has done things that no other golfer I, I don't think any other golfer will ever achieve um him and what him and Jack have done to the game but with Jordan Spieth you sort of feel like you sort of almost live vicariously through him don't you because you sort of think I could do that I could yeah I can, I can stand over my golf ball not knowing what club to hit and then duff it in the water. You can all do that. <laughs> yeah. But then he's, he's got this ludicrous CV where he's just got, where, well, <laughs> I just read out the, the tweet from Justin Ray, yeah. like, where he's got this, where he's on the verge of this. Uh, you know, you wouldn't bet against him joining that list of Woods, Nicholas, Watson and McElroy before his 30th birthday, which, as I said, is is the end of July. And I just brought up his PJ Tour playoff record here. So in 2013, he won his first PJ Tour title uh, the John Deere Classic beating David Hearn and Zach Johnson in a playoff. He then lost at the Wyndham Championship in a playoff to Patrick Reed, beat Sean O'Hare and Patrick Reed at the Valspar Championship in a playoff. Lost lost to lost to JB Holmes in a playoff in 2015. John Deere Travellers 2015-2017. Lost to Dustin in 2017 at the Northern Trust. Beat Cantlay at the RBC Heritage in a playoff last year. And then lost to Fitzpatrick. Then, so you think that that's nine playoffs? Five out of nine isn't bad, is it? To be fair, I think it's completely representative of his career as a whole. Mm. Like just a sporadic. Who knows what's going to happen with Jordan Speed nature? <laughs> yeah. The fact that he's won five and lost four, um, and it's almost been like one lost, one lost, one. Apart from those two in a row that you mentioned at the John Deere Classic and the Travellers mm. in fifteen and seventeen, it's almost been like one, one lost, one, one, one lost, one. So the man who <clears> beats. Matthew Fitzpatrick, a first regular PGA Tour win. Of course, he won the US Open last year. Now, this is a guy who has been struggling with injury all season. He's been a bit off it. We've been a bit worried about him, haven't we? And then he said ahead of the Masters that he would just be happy making the cut. We all (laughs) laughed because that's a funny thing for one of the best players in the world to say. (laughs) And then he went on and finished in the top 10. And now he's won the RBC Heritage and banked three and a half million or whatever that ludicrous prize purse is. Mm. What's next for the Sheffield lad? Well, hopefully, hopefully more success and more majors. I think I think the majors is obviously the obvious thing you look at. Um, it was quite nice that um, his family again were on the um, but behind the green um, watching him win. Apparently, he used to go there as a kid. To Harbour Town and watch the watch the tournament. Um, he only yeah. he only wins he only wins in events which he's got a history out from his childhood. It seems, it like, seems like the US it, Open it? when he went there, obviously won the US Amateur well, those years ago. Yeah, and now apparently he used to go to Harbour Town as a kid all the time, and then he's won it. <laughs> it's a it's clearly a trend, yeah. But on a, a few weeks ago when we were doing our pre Masters podcast with Tom Tom Jacobs, I specifically pointed out Fitzpatrick's form. And how concerned I thought it was, um, but it, it would seem that it was it's neck injuries that made him miss the cuts at the players, the Valspar and the Genesis Invitational. Um, but I do love, I do just love watching Fitzpatrick play. He's very no nonsense, isn't he? He swings, he's the way he's increased his swing speed, um, the way he steps up to the ball and doesn't take much time over the ball. 
it does just make it does just make you think um, what what else he, he could achieve this season as, as well as future seasons. I think it's I, I I love the dynamic between him and Billy Foster. Like who doesn't like Billy Foster? Um, he, and he, he must be although it's late late in his career and he's had a long career um, Foster, but th- th- this must be the most enjoyable time of his career if you think about it. I know Westwood and Darren Clark and you know Seve would have delivered some great times for him. But this must be his, his most enjoyable time. You know, winning winning the US Open was massively emotional for him. And now winning the RBC Heritage. Um, I, yeah, I just love that dynamic between those two two Yorkshire lads, aren't they? Just really, really impressive down the stretch. It sort of looked like it was going to get away from him at one point, I think. Speak took a two-shot lead at one stage um, and Fitz was sort of going through the motions, I think. Um but he's very, he's, he's very, very clutch. Very, very, as I say, I think he's no nonsense style over shots, over tee shots specifically with his driver and his three woods. He really whips through the ball. I think, I think, I think it's, I think it's becoming quite, quite an intimidating factor with with him on the PGA Tour, especially when he's in one-on-one situations like, like last night, and he was in a one-on-one situation with Wilson Torres at the US Open as well. It's really, I, I can't get my head around the fact that one of the most intimidating golfers on the tour at the moment is the sort of baby-faced lad from Yorkshire who's got braces in his teeth. Sort <laughs> yeah, well, he is, isn't he? Up, I, I think he's quite intimidating. But you are, you're absolutely right about Billy Foster. I mean, first of all, I would say that Seve has certainly given him the most stories. Mm. Uh, they said on the commentary last night that Billy Foster's forgotten more stories about from golf than than you you know, but... I mean, the, the guy's a national treasure. Let's let's put it that way. He yeah had that lovely moment where Cantley was addressing the ball, backing up over the ball, and he just he just <laughs> he did a big elaborate yawn. It was, it was so deliberate, wasn't it? Over at Michael Greta, they shared a little look between them. It was so funny. Like you can't <laughs> you can't beat that. I mean, we'll we'll talk about Cantley in a bit. But I was at an Under Armour event at the 2015 Open. I was. It was up at Fairmont St Andrews, and after all the stuff where the you know <clears throat> like Hunter Mahan was there, I want to say Bernd Wiesberger was it him anyway. But Fitzpatrick and and Spieth mm-hmm. were there. That's all we need to know for this anecdote. And they were doing that after you know after all the usual stuff where they're doing a few presentations, showing off a bit of new clobber and stuff like that. They had a bit of fun over on the range where they'd set up. You know when they, they set up the. Uh, panes of glass in a frame and then the golfers oh, yeah. try to hit the ball through them. So they they had the five players, they had the five panes of glass. So Spieth was on one end and Fitzpatrick was on the other end. The other three golfers were between them. And I can't remember who was presenting it. It was a former Sky Sports presenter. But I thought she was actually quite patronising to Fitzpatrick because obviously at the time this is one of the best young players in the world. Mm. And it was sort of like, oh, come on, Matt, come on, you can do it. Like, Spieth put his yeah. through the window first time. A couple of the others took three or four efforts, and, and Matt was the last player to put his ball through the glass. And Spieth just turns the sort of 45 degrees and just fight a first shot again. So he's only hit two balls. Fitzpatrick's really struggling to get it through. He's hit six or seven and missed every single time. Spieth just pivots 45 degrees and rifles one right through Fitzpatrick's glass at the other end. And yeah, as I said, the presenter was really patronising about it all. It was a bit like, oh, this is so awkward to watch. But it was just so fun yeah. at the time. And now, of course, to watch these two, well, what was that, 15? So eight years later, or just shy of eight years later, going at it 
Maybe yeah, that was very interesting. That. Maybe that maybe that was what Fitzpatrick was thinking about last night. Like, oh, you know, yeah. you know when you showed me up on the range at Fairmont St Andrews all those years ago. This is my revenge. Think about them playing like glass. Let's go. Let's go back to Cantley because talking about people that had a horrendous Masters. Mm. I mean, obviously he had a nice finish, but he came out of that by far the worst. Obviously there was that stuff we talked about it last week. There was the stuff with. Victor Hovland disappearing off down to the green because he couldn't be bothered to wait for him to back off his shot for a fourth time in a row. And he addressed this. He addressed it in his, or by which I mean he was asked about it in his pre-tournament press conference ahead of the Heritage. And he sort of, at no point did he say, do you know what? It was my fault. It was, like, mm. I was, I, sh- I should, I should probably take some of the blame. He blamed every everything else he found every excuse and blamed everything except himself uh, which is probably also fair enough we probably all do the same thing <laughs> and then of course he was equally as bad last night like i said we had that incident with billy foster basically openly yawning uh, there's there's video footage emerging after the tournament where cantley took a, a, an entire minute to to hit a a three-foot putt a, you know a routine putt that you or i would just be knocking mm. in what what is going on? Like, it, 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 first of all, what is going on? Second of all, how do we? What do we do to stop this? Like, there's obviously plenty of ideas floating around, but is there actually a way to stop it? Well, I, I think there is. I think there definitely is. I mean, the self accountability is definitely the the issue we have here, isn't it? Last week, or no, ahead of yet yeah, ahead of the heritage. He mentioned um, statistics. He's part of the pack, isn't he? So he mentioned statistics um, that suggested pace of play wasn't just down to one player. It, it's he sees all the statistics about the pace of play and and how how that can be addressed. Um, but he, he did like a self-deprecating tweet when he got a holding one, didn't he? He he sort of quote tweeted the the footage of the holding one and said and said playing faster. So I suppose is that a step in the right direction? I suppose maybe it's recognition that he knows scrutiny he's under. But I think I think he definitely can. For example, I think he definitely can um, introduce, introduce incentives for playing quicker. N- not that it should come to that, because you, you should play quickly anyway. The incentives to play quickly should be that you're playing faster so you can so you can finish your round quicker. But if we, we, we introduce incentives for a lot of things in the PGA Tour, you know, you've got that Aeon risk-reward thing, and that rewards decision-making over different holes on uh, different shots on different holes each week. And you've got the, you know, the com the Comcast business thing where the top 10 players in the FedEx cup get rewarded more for playing good golf. So if, if you've got things like if, initiatives like that on the PJ tour, I don't see why you can't have initiative to, to play a bit quicker. Um, so you're saying, so, sorry, just, just to make sure that I understand this right, instead of saying, right, players should be docked penalty shots, which in turn docks them cash because they don't earn as much because they finish lower down the leaderboard, you're suggesting do the go the other mm-hmm. way and say, if you finish your round within X amount of time, you will earn X amount percentage on top of your winnings. Well, potentially, yeah, as an incentive, you know, I think the, the key parallel I'll draw is that Aon risk rewards, um, where where they, for people who don't know what that is, they, they choose one hole each tournament and the way, and the lowest scoring or the way in which you play that hole is rewarded over the season. So I don't see why you can't introduce an incentive like that for, for, for fast, for fast play. But I, there's so many variables with this though, because over each shot, I suppose you need to add a time limit for each shot, 
and some shots would obviously take more longer than others. So how do you how do you tell someone how long they should be playing for? That's the I think that's another issue we have. But maybe put timers on each on every hole. You know, golf tournaments are, are run by thousands of brilliant volunteers that carry scoreboards, um, that that do that sort of thing. So we could have a timer on on, on in each group. I'm sure they'll, they'll get enough volunteers for that. And tell them after each round how long how long they've taken, and then maybe that could start a you know like a statistical bank of how long over a season how long each player is taking, and then tell each player who needs to be told you need to play far you need to play faster. Um, so that would be I think that just off the top of my head that would be a solution to add some sort of um, incentive um, reward scheme like they do with so many other things. You know it's, it's not. You know the, the player impact program that didn't take long to to take off and to reward players for supposedly pushing the needle. So I don't really see why they couldn't issue some sort of program that could encourage fast play. Maybe Cantley's antics over the last couple of weeks have been purely to try and win the PIP because <laughs> no, like he's been he's absolutely been the most talked about golfer yeah. on social media in the last two weeks. Yeah, so guess that's not a bad show, is it? I saw one suggestion on Twitter, which was each group has four hours to finish their round. And if you take, I don't know, four hours to 4.15, you get one stroke penalty for everyone in the group. If you take 4.15 to 4.30, it's two strokes. And if it takes over four and a half, the whole group gets disqualified. <laughs> well, it's tough, isn't I mean, it? Cause you could... I, really, I really like the thought process behind it, but you're going to have instances, obviously, like, Hovland and Cantley at the Masters where Hovland was basically just walking off down I mean he I think he was hitting his chip shot while Cantley's ball approach shot was still in the air yeah or, or, or you should have like a I don't know between shots you should have a you should start a clock so say if you hit your tee shots once they're off the tee box the timer starts and then they've got a certain time limit to get to their ball and if and if they exceed that time limit maybe they should I don't know be docked be docked shots or FedEx cut if points get, or something if you get put on the clock this is a good one. If you get put on the clock, you should have to use a buggy. And yeah. then you've just got the embarrassment of being the, the guy in the field who's <laughs> in the buggy. So you're getting to your ball quicker, basically. Yeah, so a buggy's on standby and it's tee box. But it's hard, isn't it? Because you can't dock people shots if they're playing behind a slow group as well. Say if you're the group behind Cantley, you know, it's not your fault that, you, that, that, that you're playing slowly, I suppose. So it is it is difficult. But I think some sort of incentive scheme is is genuinely a good idea. I th- something needs to be done and there's there's no denying that I think we can all agree that something has to be done to stop the players I don't want to say taking the piss but that is sort of what they're doing isn't it it is, it is a bit even even in the playoffs Spieth was taking ages over one shot on the 18th I think it was the I think it was the third playoff hole him and Grella took absolutely ages over a shot and fair play there was no one behind them they were just one on one but he took ages over his shot and he hit it. The cam went to Fitzpatrick and he was always starting back. That, <laughs> that was good, actually. It was incredible. His, his, Speed's ball landed and then the camera immediately cut to uh, Fitzpatrick, who was already mid-swing. That was absolutely yeah. brilliant. Of course, that's sort of the way it should be. I, I, I thought the playoff went really quickly, actually, because I don't know if this, that those two were paired with Cantley in the final group and it actually just felt like a breeze after that. But... Playoffs are annoying, aren't they? Like, why? Like, while we're fixing golf, let's sort mm, playoffs yeah. out because it's absolutely ludicrous. Like, I don't know if it's 
different in the US perhaps because obviously this is all done at prime time and or uh, you know early evening or late afternoon or whatever whereas in the UK the difference between finishing 72 holes and then having three extra playoff holes is the difference between basically going to bed at a sensible hour say perhaps 11 o'clock and going to bed at gone 1am it's just it, mm. is there a, is there a better way we can do this because it just sort of feels quite laboured doesn't it like just go and play 18th over and over again like stop going to different holes just play 18th over or even just the 18th they were just hitting drives down the middle like it was nobody's business oh it was awful wasn't it they they should just be like a drop zone in the middle of the 18th fairway and you just say right you just play from here and you play over and over until there's a winner yeah especially that 18th that they were just striping their drives down there they weren't even thinking about it like there was no chance any of them were going to hook it or slice it I don't know it's difficult with 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 golf and playoffs like I was thinking when say if I'm down the pub with one of my mates and we're having a game of darts if it's going on too long you just sort of do close to the ball don't you because you can't be bothered <laughs> like going for the doubles are you saying just stick him in the middle of the fairway on 18 everyone's obviously everyone's around the 18th green anyway yeah Stick them in the middle. So say right, 150 yards closest to the pin takes a tournament. Closest to the it. pin, yeah. Maybe that's a bit of a boring suggestion, though. You know the DP World Tour features where they do, um, where they do forcing like club the, challenge, and you, and you lose, like you, you lose a club that. when you, yeah, when you when you use a club, you lose it. Maybe you sort of do that. Maybe so. For example, say if on the 18th, if Fitzpatrick hits driver seven iron into the green, if it goes to another playoff hole, we can't use driver seven iron. Yes, use yes, use different clubs. Something like that. Something to something to reduce the time a playoff can take. So you're you're suggesting that the DP World Tour's rather excellent social media team should be in charge <laughs> of fixing golf like that, or take away like, caddies or something. If maybe maybe if Greller and Foster weren't in the playoff, it was just Spieth and Fitzpatrick. Maybe they take less time. Maybe Spieth certainly would. I don't think it would affect Fitzpatrick. I think for me with the playoffs, the thing, and I just sort of hinted at it then, is that. Every single every single fan that's on the property is around the 18th green. Those guys don't want to then be walking back to 10 or going over to 10 to yeah. watch a playoff hole or whatever. They So I think for me, the playoff should always just be around 18, whether you play the full hole or not, or whether you just do, do something like I suggested. Like, I mean, like I said, like hill and head, like you and I are hitting the middle of that fairway comfortably. I mean... I sort of quite like the idea of a, a drop zone that's maybe 150 yards, and they just play from there. Uh, I'm not I'm not advocating closest to the pin, but maybe um, they just they just keep playing from that spot until there's a winner, basically. So it's just it's just a hundred. It's like it's almost like a penalty shootout in goal. In, uh, sorry, in yeah. football, isn't it? Like it's just it's just a it's just a straight shootout. Maybe you have a drop zone 150 yards out, or however however far. And each player hits three golf balls, and then they obviously have to hold out those three golf balls. So you, again, it's like bringing a penalty shootout factor is, into it, isn't it? Mm. So if Spieth hits three shots and then holds two of the putts for birdie, and Fitzpatrick hits three shots and then only holds one of them, like Spieth wins in like yeah, a shootout same, but, like, scenario. Yeah, like a shootout. Like say if they have five ten footers each on the eighteenth green, and yeah, just do a straight shootout. Yeah, never go for it because it's too gimmicky. Yeah. But I, I sort of feel like sometimes you just think you're sitting there. It's like half twelve. You just want to go to bed, <laughs> but you're desperate to watch it because it's two really good golfers playing really <laughs> yeah. good golf course. 
And then it's like, you just, it sort of seems too simple to just go, just stick them, just do like, a, you know, when you go and play with your mates and you're on the putting green beforehand and you always have that little putting contest to the furthest hole away from you and you like 50 foot mm. um, putt off or whatever. Like maybe just do that. <laughs> yeah. they, they've got five balls each and then you accumulate their proximity to the ball and whoever has the shortest wins the wins the golf tournament. It just sort of, it doesn't really feel like a very satisfying way to win a golf tournament, does it? No. But certainly keep it on the same hole, especially the 18th hole, because then fans haven't got to run across to the 17th or the 15th, yeah. wherever they do it. It's got to be, there's got to be a definitive hole where it can be won, because especially with fans who sit around the 18th green with the purpose of seeing who wins, and then all of a sudden the playoff hole goes to the 17th, you, you feel a bit mugged off, wouldn't you? So yeah. I think, we're talking about playoff formats, definitely keep it on the same hole, or at least make sure it ends on the 18th, because that's what fans, fans don't want to be, want to be running around They've run around all day trying to catch as much of the action as possible. So you want to have a definitive point of where the tournament will end, surely. And I, I, I think you probably have to have iron shots in there simply because otherwise you just lose moments like Fitzpatrick's wonderful nine iron into into mm. the last to win the tournament. Absolutely fantastic shot, and we, we all thought it was going in, didn't we? And then it just stopped just short. Yeah. I think have we fixed golf. I think we fixed golf. So we're going we to speed up play by giving <laughs> them more money. What? And and we and we fix playoffs by saying it's just a hundred and fifty yard shootout on the eighteenth hole. Yeah. Or the, or the Good. fifteen club challenge, a fourteen club challenge format where they lose clubs. Yeah. Or as, as the playoffs go it, on, or we hand it over to the DP World Tours social media team <laughs> and let them have at it. Like was it their very, their very first one was that gong shot, wasn't it? When you had the gong out on the lake and they were all that was good. That, that imagine, if, imagine if you just did that and they had to hit a gong off the lighthouse or something at, at Heritage. Yeah, Bef- big RBC, big RBC. Tell me, tell me that the viewing figures wouldn't just go through the roof as soon as people started finding out that it was had gone to a playoff. Like, tell me that everyone isn't tuning in to watch them try and hit a gong off a lighthouse. You cross it, cross over to the mainstream easily. That I'm all in. I'm all in. Right, I think that's. I don't think we can end it anywhere else than there. I think that's <laughs> we fixed golf. Good, finally. All right, speak to you next week. Yeah.